thing to remember is that we're still a long way from, I think, the whole yeah. notion of, of general artificial intelligence. Which is, is the opposed, real... Which is the, the kind of worrying Skynet stuff, you know. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, it's still not... It's not really lived up to the hype. I mean, I remember writing about this a couple of years ago and getting quite worked up about it, and oh, it's all going to be apocalypse two or three years right. from now, and it hasn't happened. I think there's been a bit no. of a, a slowdown and a realisation that there's barriers they haven't been able to overcome. Hello and welcome to another telecoms.com podcast. Here we are in the office and it's lockdown's just finished. Is it today? Uh, we're not sure how. Uh, we're supposed to finish on Wednesday. Oh, is it Wednesday and it's Friday? But it's not okay, really fine. the end of lockdown, is it? No, we're still pretty locked down. So we're going to go for some beers after. Well, attempt to. We're going to attempt to. And we're not sure. Firstly, we're not sure what the eating thing is. They've had this incredibly trivial debate about whether a Scotch egg constitutes a substantial <coughs> meal. Because the rule is you can you can get pissed as long as you eat as well. Yeah, there was a good uh, newspaper headline, wasn't there? Like, uh, can I have a Scotch egg in 17 pints with that, yeah, please? exactly. Scotch egg is substantial. I would say so. And if they yeah. say it's not, then what about two? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's going to come a point. What about a salad? I, yeah, I'll, I'll have a salad. What One person's substantial meal you can tell, is I eat a lot of salad. another person's snack. Well, I think quite. So. They, they might say you need like to use a fork and knife for it. You know? Yeah, maybe that. So if you eat or a bag of crisps with a fork or, and knife, is that all right? <laughs> it's got to be something other than just yeah, a bag of like pork scratchings or something. Yeah, scampy fries. That's the only place you find them. What about side side of uh, side dish of like French fries and I think I should be allowed chips, pasties, especially if they've been nuked. Anyway, we'll see. <laughs> and then and then we're not sure whether we're going to have to say that we we live together. <laughs> we're going to get in is, trouble on this, aren't we? In a <laughs> Someone's. Some got, police officer is going to watch it and I've got put to turn up. I've got to turn up with my arm around you going, <laughs> me and my lover would like a drink. So, yeah, God knows. Uh, um, I was chatting to someone else that we're going to meet up with um, and they're saying that business meeting's still allowed. But I, I don't I'm know. having a business meeting with my parents at the weekend. Well, exactly. I mean, I just, I just don't know. It's a complete mess. Anyway, we'll turn up and we'll see how it goes. But we're, we're having a few um, before we start. In fact, we should mention, I haven't had this before. This is the... Star Star Prama is what I keep at home. What do you mean you haven't had this before? I haven't had it on the pod. I'm normally ah, having normally bring, like, normally brings my... cans in because they're too yeah. heavy to carry in. Yeah. And um, and I think you know I'm not paid to say this, but I think it's the best pilsner, like Czech beer. Probably the best pilsner in the world. Yeah, certainly better than Carlsberg. <laughs> um, and uh, and you were saying that your missus is Slovakian mm. buys it, so that's quite an endorsement because it is. She, you know, I'm not saying she's an alcoholic or anything, but she must, she must know her beer. <laughs> they know they're pilsners, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're quite pro-Czech in, like, there's no, there's no sort of... Uh, Separatist aggro. There's, there's none of that in uh, the Czech Republic and Slovakia, so... What is, um, but do you ever have Slovakian beers? Yeah, there's, there's a few, but you can't get them here very easily. You can get them at, like, specialist Slovak shops. Right, you'd only um, get in London or big cities yeah, or something. But you, there's one called Zlaty Bajant. Cool. She's got golden pheasant, which is uh, pretty nice. That's, that's what that means. Yeah, uh, there's one called Martin, which is no, there's a city called Mar- Martin. Right. Uh, and, and are they all in the sort of Star Opram and sort yeah, they're all of similar sort of space. Yeah, they're similar, but they're much better than. I mean, Northern European lagers, I think, are pretty yeah. appalling. All that Heineken, Carlsberg. Uh, Germans sometimes get it right. I mean, Bex is okay. It's a bit... No, German, Germany's okay, I think. Yeah. They do Central Europe, okay, but, but you're the, saying... I think the, the Scandinavians and the Dutch do dreadful beers, personally. 
And yeah. anybody who's watching from Scandinavia Tuborg. or yeah. Tuborg, Carlsberg, Amstel, yeah. Heineken, just, I mean, lager, isn't it? just give up and do something else with your lives. And, sure. and I mean, drink yeah, but those, those are like the European mega corporations, though. Yeah. They are, but, but I mean, I don't you, think I don't think the UK. I think you know we're good at ales. But I don't think we're much good at lager. Is there like a proper no? Well, we've UK got Carling, one? haven't we? That's, yeah, a, that's a UK one. That's probably and then the we import like Foster's and other yeah fizzy piss like that. <laughs> no, we're we're good at real ale yeah. in the UK, and then real ale. lager you really want to get dog, from Europe. Dogs, which we've got a little selection of here. That's I think it might be Scottish. Yeah, I actually think Southern European countries do quite good lagers, like, like the, Moretti or something. Yeah, like Moretti. I think Spain's got a couple of good ones. Um, yeah, San we, Miguel, I think, is quite, quite nice. We drink um, when I'm in the Canaries, which I'm hoping to do. So um, I'm off on our last podcast, by the way, is going to be the 11th, yeah? Because I'm off on holiday from on the following week, hopefully. Mm. But I've got to... Uh, the rules are right now that you've got to take a PCR test, polymerase chain reaction, which is a test that, that identifies whether you've got any fragments of... The Rona They're going to you. the um, yeah. Canaries. You got over it. So there's two problems with that. One, of course, <clears> you take it, fail it, and then you can't fucking go. Yeah. The other one is it costs 170 quid a pop. Well, this is the problem we're having because we're supposed to be going to Slovakia, and you have to have you don't actually have to have a test to go to Poland where we're flying to. Right. But you, but crossing the border, we might require proof that we've had tests. So you need to test your entire family. Wow. Yeah. So you get four people done. Quid, exactly. We've got the same issue. I'm lucky yeah. France don't, don't have that from the 15th. But you keep an eye right. on the rules because they might change I know, them. I, That's totally what we're right. doing. We're just I mean, monitoring what's going on. It's going to go down to the wire, man. But anyway, so I'll be off on holiday in one form or other. And if I can't go on holiday, I'm certainly not coming here. Talk to you losers. <laughs> <laughs> I did when I was on holiday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'll be disappointed, won't I? I'll be crestfallen. <laughs> and no one want to listen to me mope and feel sorry for myself anyway. <laughs> or I'll probably be sort of drunk by the time I get in and just be abusive. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yes, that's okay. That's quite a lot of tangents, isn't it? Should sort of cut to the chase. So, before I get into what we're going to talk about, I must remember to do that if you're watching this on the site or on YouTube or on Facebook. What are you gesturing about? He's giving you a hissy jing. Oh, oh, he yeah, wants a sorry. beer. Um, uh, then uh, yeah, you can also listen to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, which I'm now on. Do you, Spotify. Know, do you know what's a uh, complete travesty? The Spotify app for TVs, whether it's on Samsung or Apple TV, doesn't support video. Oh, That's, God. No, come on. That is rubbish. I'm, I'm actually not impressed with the Spotify service in terms of clever algorithms, in terms of no, no. In terms of the tools the music it gives is you. Great, yeah. yeah, the music's great, but in terms of the tools it gives you, I think it could do a lot more. I mean, um, who wants to listen to Spotify on their TV? Who wants to listen to <laughs> There we go. I've got to explain to the audience that these two, I'll turn my back for one second, they started singing songs from the Queen, It's a Kind of Magic album. So uh, that's that's why Ian... I can't remember why it came up even now. The Highlander quote. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Better to burn out and fade away. That's the one. Um, yes. Got to say it with a really deep voice, though. Yeah, burn, burn out and fade away. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The clown! Yeah. <laughs> And then those cool metal noises, like at the start of um, of that Prodigy song. Anyway, um, so yes, you can listen to it and watch it and all that. Uh, what are we going to chat about? Have we got so, any time left? <laughs> do you know what I mean? How long's that been? That's been about 10 minutes of just talking shite. Um, we're going to talk about... I. Well, we both covered some stuff to do with sort of IoT and automation. Um, at its root, it's coming from this big 
AWS Amazon Web Services fest that they have. Three weeks. AWS invent, I didn't reinvent. It was going on that long. I thought it was just takes uh, this three week. weeks. Wow. I mean, just what's going well, on? The CM Forum managed to drag their thing out for six weeks. There is that, yeah. But but theirs was just sort of now and again. Of days though, every week they had something. Yeah, so on. I don't know what's going yeah. on then. I mean, normally when you go, this I mean, is an online thing. Yeah, it's an online yeah. thing, so it's not yeah. quite the same. But I mean, presumably when when there isn't a coronavirus, they do it. They do it live. Would I mean, you turn up for yeah. three weeks? Can you imagine the state? Well, they've all they've all they've all <laughs> got into these. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> when you go to when you get to when you go to those sorts of things, you have to you have to have a few drinks. When I suspect you're on tour, they've, you? they've all gone into the prolonging their events because they they think it's better to do short sessions and spread it out. Over I think they do it because there's hardly any companies left in the world except for Amazon, so they think we might as well fill it fill a, the vacuum. There's a lot of event for online event fatigue. I think at there this is. stage of the year, there is. Um, um, yeah, so uh, so we both wrote about that, and I wrote I took a sort of predictably Orwellian angle. I said AWS brings. 1984 to the edge because they, they're getting quite involved in the mobile edge so we, we, anyway yeah. we're going to chat about that yeah <clears throat> Vodafone um, figures prominently in my coverage on Vodafone the, yeah um, and, and that's fine there was overlap yeah. there another, Which another is chat with less our yeah um, and then we're going to talk about um, sort of industry numbers basically telecoms industry numbers there are a couple there's there's a, some forecasts that we're going to chat about and there's also sort of Deloro uh, market sizing up to up to the end of Q3. Yeah. So we'll have a little chat about that. And then lastly, you wrote um, you wrote a bit about Open RAN, mm-hmm. and I wrote a bit about the government coming out and saying how it thinks Open RAN is a really great idea. Yeah, yeah. So we will recap on that, and that sort of slightly overlaps with the one we chatted about last week, which is like government intervention yeah. in markets. Which is increasingly becoming synonymous with Open RAN, it seems. It so, does, doesn't yeah. it? Which, which calls into question. Yeah. If it's such a big, if if it's so great, why does government need to keep poking its nose in? Yeah. So yes, yeah, so we'll do that. So yeah, starting with Amazon. So my, I'll do my angle first because we, hopefully for this podcast we did quite different angles, so we can sort of complement each other or disagree with each other. Let's mm-hmm. see. Um, I went for this 1984 thing. The main reason was because they've come up with this industrial IoT service called Monitron. Right. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, you don't have to be the most sort of swivel-eyed, It's not going to catch on, is it, among civil liberties? Uh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Monitron. Just running through the Monitron. Well, quite. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I had one bit in it, you know, and I got a bit facetious, as is my wont. And I had one bit, and I went, presumably, because there's another thing called, um, oh, I forget the name of it, but it's less, it's a less jarring name but it's a more jarring service, which is often the way. So Monitron is, is just for, for monitoring equipment and to tell you when it's starting to act up, Yeah, which is all fair enough. It's just got a really moody name. But there's another one, his name escapes me. It's called something like Fluffy Bunny or something like that. Um, <laughs> and it's far from fluffy. Well, quite. Um, which, is, which uses, <clears throat> it calls computer vision to monitor people. And it, it says it's for the sake of health and safety. But that's fine. Even well, if it is, it's still monitoring people. This is this is the same because because a, a sort of subset of this was the specific deal that Vodafone did with AWS on, on the edge. And, and one of the, I mean, we can get into that more later. But one of the specific things they called out was this company called Unleash Live, I think. Right. Which is a bit of an odd name, but they're basically Especially doing. Especially as I'm suspecting, its aim is quite the opposite. Yeah, they're basically doing sort of. Um, video surveillance stuff, I guess. Yeah. But the, the, the reason it's 
different from current video surveillance stuff is it allows you to transmit information in in kind of real time i suppose you get the, the low latency advantage so it gives authorities a better opportunity to kind of intervene at the moment it's happening and yeah. do something about it and they've they've presented there was funny reading the press release because they said it's all about public safety needs but basically it it's just keeping more tabs on people more more than they already do essentially it you know? always is i mean well, I think more and more of this low latency stuff seems to be quite sinister in terms of the the applications. It seems to be about quick response times for um, security agencies and this kind of thing, and you know, city, city watchdogs and that that stuff. It, I don't know. It's a bit. It's a bit sinister. It is a bit sinister, and you know, I mean, I where I got most facetious was. Um, Oh yeah, Panorama is the fluffy bunny one. Uh, so Panorama's the, the the spying on people one, and and I should note that that Amazon pushed back on that, which I'll which I'll get to in a bit. Uh, for some reason, they didn't find my characterisation of their products as sinister and Orwellian. They didn't like so that. It, it didn't it didn't exactly coincide with their marketing messaging. No. Um, what about taking over the whole world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so. Uh, so I just went, I'll, I'll just read the paragraph. I went, everyone wants a safer workplace, right? But at what cost of privacy and liberty? This computer vision, i.e. network CCTV cameras, TV cameras, sorry, um, will spy on workers to make sure they're complying with best practice, such as driving forklifts properly and social distancing because of coronavirus. If they don't, we imagine a Punishatron 4000 drone could be automatically dispatched to deal with the errant unit. I think <laughs> an electric shock, like a car. Yeah. yeah. So obviously that last, that last sentence is, is deliberately satirical, but not that far off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you've got a moni monitor-tron, monitron, yeah. why not have a Punishatron? Punishatron, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just... It's like a real-time automated policeman, yeah? It, comes it feels and like it. The shit out it feels like for... it, and they can talk about safety all they want. But then the police are supposed to be there for safety. It hasn't stopped them, sort of nicking people <clears> for going and visiting their relatives and all that sort of thing while we've had the lockdown. Yeah. So you know, safety can be interpreted in lots of different ways. And whose safety are you talking about? Yeah. Are you talking about the safety of the individual or the collective? Because if the collective is like, this is what's safe, and the individual goes, Nah, I'm going to do this then that sets a precedent for punishing the individual for, for going against that. So anyway, yeah. there's all sorts of stuff. I can get into the weeds there, um, as you can imagine. <laughs> so I just thought that was all funny. And look, to be fair to Amazon, and if the person who sent me the email correcting me, which I'll get to, is, is watching this, it's unlikely. They've gone all quiet. Um, yeah, I know a lot of what Amazon does is just, it's just good automation. And actually part of the concern isn't, how Amazon's doing it. It's just that Amazon's doing it really well. Yeah. The concern is just automation full stop. And that, you know, that can seem really Luddite. But when we're not just, you know, when you're starting to get not just really simple repetitive tasks automated, but it's going up the skill stack. And at the same time, you're having things like monitoring and enforcement and all that sort of thing automated. I don't think it's out of order do, to do start. You know what? This, this is what worries me most about this pandemic in a way. You know, you've got all these, see what's happening at the moment with shops being locked down and, okay, they're, they're open now, but we just had, what is it this week, Debenhams announcing store closures, yeah. 12,000, 12, Arcadia. I mean, all these people, what they're going to do, they're probably going to go off and work in Amazon warehouses mm. for a while and then their jobs will be automated away because uh, at that sort of um, level there, I mean, if... 
if you believe that we don't cover this very much, but if you if you read the kind of press that does write about this this kind of stuff, that the warehouse technologies they're now introducing means that they need fewer and fewer yeah. staff to actually do those kinds of jobs. And you know, they're even talking about you know we've we've written, probably both written about it using drone technology to deliver packages yeah. that at the moment get brought round to you. And then you've got the the kind of white collar side of it as well. And, and the operators, the, the the sector we're in, we we hear about this from them when we when we talk about sales and how people get their smartphones these days. No one's going into stores to do that. They just order them online. They get it through online channels. Mm. So all the staff who are in those facilities are are getting laid off as well. Um, I'll tell you I one just, other th- funny thing. I was chatting to my dad. He was trying to get something uh, sorted out. Um, oh, it might be my mate actually. Um, yeah, I think it was. He was trying to get something out of it because, uh, you know, I finished my book and I've been sharing it with people. Yeah. And he, his, he hadn't used his Kindle for ages and he was, having a, he was having a nightmare getting it to work again. He had to get onto their customer It's a bit of a faff having to do that thing. That yeah, you all said. that it stuff. Was not, but he not couldn't intuitive even, at all. He couldn't even get it. that far. Yeah. Um, and, he said, and he said, I just kept getting these repetitive answers from this person. And I was going, it was probably a bot, mate. Yeah. And he's going, nah. <laughs> because, you know, if you're not you in that know. world, you don't realise how endemic and widespread these bots are. Yeah. And I was going, I'm telling you, mate, it's probably a bot. And then he's gone, that's depressing. Because then you're starting to try to appeal to this, what you think is a human being at the other end of the line using sort of social techniques and yeah. and, and all that sort of thing. And you're just talking to a HAL 1000. A dead, a dead but person. You, yeah. you know what pisses me off about LED. The, the automation argument is that if you, if you talk to, if you talk to the, the sort of um, apologists for automation, they'll always go... Oh, well, if you look back at the last few hundred years, we've had automation for years. You know, ever since the Industrial Revolution, things have been automated and other jobs have been created in other parts of the economy. You know, that's always been the sort of answer to yeah. it, that it won't, cl- it won't kill jobs. It yeah, frees yeah, yeah. up time for... We got a spinning jenny, but then yeah, people had but to then make people spinning had jennies. To, had to make spinning jennies, yeah. or, they, or they, went, you know, they went from doing cottage stuff in in homes to working in factories yeah. and, and it's largely true that narrative well i i i, I disagree up to, date. up to date i mean I, the trouble is that you you can't always look at what's happened in the past yeah. and extrapolate from that that it'll carry on happening well. so it's 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 a slightly flawed argument i think in that basis yes. and the, the problem is that you're 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 now automating away i mean a lot of automation in in that period in the industrial revolution even the sort of agricultural revolution was all about you know, as you were saying, it's all about the blue collar workers, if you like. It's the yeah. it's the labour. It's it's mechanisation, really. The the automation we're getting now is the jobs those people were supposed to move into. Well, and we don't really it's have the thinking, and we stuff, don't really have know, industrial labour anymore. We don't have industrial labour, yeah, and we're losing that the white collar stuff's going as well. I mean, we there's no need for people like us. They could just automate our. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't be able to automate this perhaps very easily. No. They wouldn't be able to automate some of our more opinionated stuff. Well, but, that's 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 one of my defences. If I'm ever stories, challenged on being uh, an obnoxious, disingenuous prick, I'm just like, okay, but you can't automate this. Once you once you can once you can <laughs> like it or yeah. not. <laughs> there's a, there's a good book by an author called uh, Yuval Noah Harari. He's Heard of him. written yeah. Homo Sapiens and, and Homo Deus. It's quite they're quite sort of dystopian reads. Well, books starting with dis- Homo. Yeah, and then he's written. He's, I mean, he's, not all of his books start with that. But uh, <laughs> where are you going with this? It's just being crude. Um, but he's he's a really good writer. But they're, they're quite worrying because his um, you know his take on 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 where this leads is is uh, quite sinister, really. Yeah. Uh, the, the the view of, of where it's leading to. But he was he he was writing in a, a chapter about you know people who say well artificial intelligence can only go so far. Creative occupations. Um, you know, painting a great picture or writing music, for instance, which I think are held up as the 
the kind of pinnacle yeah. of human achievement if it's not you know non-scientific stuff this is very very hard for a machine to replicate yeah he went and and, and, and interviewed this ai developer in california who's come up with this software that allows you to well the, the machine itself can basically compose in the style of any great composer and then he moved it be a level beyond that where it would then start to sort of take the great composers as, as an influence but actually do stuff that's that's completely you know it's, it's kind of its own unique style mm. so it's cu- kind of trying to push the boundaries and they play this to classical music experts and fans the stuff that it and they come liked up with. it they couldn't tell the difference wow. between they were asked to choose between because some of them didn't know all of Bach's compositions, for example. So they yeah. said this is, there's a few... So I was going to say something they like couldn't Bach. Tell, they couldn't my, tell my, the difference. My limited knowledge of classical music. Something like Bach, you could imagine automating more because it's quite a um, well, it's quite f- mathematical bar- bar- sort of thing, isn't it? Baroque quite formulated. But, the, but this could do but stuff like that... like Mozart. That, that Mozart and Tchaikovsky, the romantics it yes. could do. It's, wow. It wasn't bound by any and particular so period. So you like or, to think, and again, you know, I'm not, I'm not just going on about creativity because I've just finished writing a book but I'm just thinking of the process I went through to write this book which took years and you know when you when you finally get around to reading it this um, weekend mate you'll presumably see I mean anyone who knows me will see a lot of my personality in it um, <sighs> certainly my mate who has read it says yes for good for better or worse <laughs> um, you know could you could you replicate that I'd like to think and maybe I'm clutching at straws here. I'd like to think there's some kind of unique thing like soul yeah. or whatever that that would be impossible to automate. Um, you know, just some of the ideas. I think about, I was chatting to my mate about the creative process of this, and a lot of it's serendipity because it took me years to write. A lot of times it just, I'd just be walking to the station, yeah. daydreaming, a little bright idea would come up and I'd write it down on my phone. Yeah. And how can you automate that process? Well, I mean, we're... we're you know the concept of the soul and all that stuff. We like to th- we like to think that we're a bit, special, a bit special, but we're basically just very complex computers. So you know you you we're going to get you into, put you put enough da- deep sort you, of you put enough data yeah. into a computer and it will come up with stuff that is original, which is what this this composing well, quite. machine was doing. Well, there's so, that old thing about if you give a monkey a thousand years. Yeah, draw um, I, I mean the, the the thing to remember is that we're still a long way from. I think the whole yeah. notion of of general artificial intelligence which is the real. Which is the, the kind of worrying Skynet it's stuff, you know? Yeah, um, it's still not—it's not really lived up to the hype. I mean, I remember writing about this a couple of years ago and getting quite worked up about it, and oh, it's all going to be apocalypse two or three years right. from now, and it hasn't happened. I think there's been a bit no. of a, a slowdown and a realization that there's barriers they haven't been able to overcome as quickly so, as some so. Bring it thought. back to to the the stuff we wrote about. Um, Brewdog or Hazy Jane? Well, I, I, I want to try one of Hazy Jane, yeah. so you better get get started on those bad boys. Um, it's you know part of part of what I think you do as a as a commentator, and as journalists we are commentators as well. You know that, you know that's one of the ways in which we try and add value is to put analysis and opinion <clears throat> into what we write. I agree that you could automate a straight this happened. Yeah, yeah, you know, that doesn't require a human being to do. Um, but uh, this happened, and this is the context of it and this is what it might mean and this is what we reckon about it, I think still does require that's, humans. That's harder to do, yeah. 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 So we try and add value, perhaps just in a desperate attempt to not be rendered obsolete. Yeah. Um, and and I think one of the things you do is you extrapolate. You think, okay, this is this thing now, Amazon's doing this stuff, it's very good at automation, AWS is the best at public cloud um, and now it's getting, you know, the reason all this is directly relevant to telecoms, which we haven't really touched on yet, but we should stress... 
is because it's getting into the mobile edge. Because the reason this low latency um, IoT stuff needs to come to the mobile edge is because of simple physics. One of the reasons you get latency is there's a speed of light, which is very fast, but it's still a finite speed. Yeah. Um, and and um, radio signals travel at the speed of light. So if if a radio signal has got to go from a sensor or one of these spy cameras or whatever all the way to the core of the network, which is miles away, and then back again before a reaction can happen, there's a thing called latency. And so you get less latency. Granted, 5G... Has, has introduced extra things that reduce latency, but you also get less latency simply by having the journey that electron has to go on, that radio wave, it's not even an electron, is it? That wave has to go on, um, making that journey shorter. Yeah. Um, so, and, and Amazon's getting into edge services quite a lot, which is very smart of it. I mean, look, I've got total respect for Amazon. Amazon, a online retailer, is the biggest public cloud company in the world. I mean, fair play to them. Yeah, talk about branching out and making it's the biggest everything in the world almost. Pretty much, I mean that that was the angle I took on the whole AWS thing was was actually not so much the the sinister sort of 1984 stuff, but um, it's still still automation because the edge is is about automation to some extent. Um, but I, I wrote specifically about the deal they've done with with Vodafone, right? Um, this week, keep talking because I've got to open another beer and um, and. Basically, I mean, they, they, they announced a tie-up a little while ago. I think it's, it was this time last year, actually, I think, at AWS Ignite, or whatever they call it, um, December 2019. Reinvent, Reinvent sorry. Not Ignite. Ignite's probably Google's one, isn't it, or something? Yeah, something, but, um, something wanky like that. They, they announced an edge tie-up about a year ago uh, with, with Vodafone and a few other telcos. Verizon, I think, SK Telecom, and one other that I'm forgetting. Um but the this is this is almost like a sort of evolution of that, and and the plans are a lot more concrete. And what what Vodafone's basically saying is next year, spring-ish time, I think, twenty twenty one, they're going to launch an, an edge service in the UK, and then later in the year one in Germany. Uh, and they've come out with pretty specific data points on it. They're saying that they'll have it'll be sub ten milliseconds. So the stuff you've just been talking so about, latency, yeah. getting that latency down. The, the higher the number, it's opposite to, to bandwidth. Yeah. The higher the number, the worse. So you don't you want, want big ideally you want zero latency. You want things instantaneous. Yep. Um, and they and normally at the moment they're apparently on on Vodafone's networks. If you look at the whole like data signals, so, about it? yeah, it's between fifty and two hundred. So that's what I've got for Jamie um, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also in the press release if people didn't oh, want to bother talking to Jamie, but um, right. but he did add he did add, add other details. Jamie's so. been on this pod more since he left than when he, he has, was working. Yeah, um, but they're saying with this with this title, with it, so what they've done is they've taken this software from AWS called Wavelength that you and, and an edge server, and you basically install that in your edge computing data center, and you put your applications there as well, and you you, you push out your sort of network functions in parallel. And, you, and you've got your latency down to, to under 10 milliseconds. Mm. And what that allows you to do is have some of these things that you were just talking about, like Monitron and, um, un, you know, <laughs> Unleash Live and things that things that require sort of things that yeah. need, need a kind of instant response. So actually, you can help me out with this, because I sort of understood it when I was writing it, but I've already forgotten because I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. Um, why does Amazon need to get involved? Why do well, we need Amazon as, as some kind of intermediary or some kind of facilitator to all this? 
Well, they, the, 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 the way, the, the stuff that they're putting into the computing center to, that allows this comes from Amazon, doesn't it? That's the, it's the company that's developed. I mean, they're, they're a cloud computing company and they have software that allows you to, to support all this this Because it should be stressed to, to some people listening who might not know, Amazon actually, I think, makes more money from cloud than it does retail, e-tail. Right. It's, does I think it? so. In t- no, profit, sorry. Mm, profit, um, yeah. Revenue, yeah. turnover, much higher for, for just retail, buying, yeah, yeah, buying yeah. tat <laughs> off Amazon. But, but the margins are obviously quite low. Yeah. I, think, I think in terms of profit, in t- i.e. the most important metric, yeah. it actually makes more for me. So, so you just answered your own question there, basically, that you know, this is a profitable business for them. Edge computing is an extension right. of their cloud computing business, basically. It's, it's yeah, o- no, but, but my new- question wasn't why... Why is Amazon doing it? Why 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 can't operators do it without them? I just don't think it's their core competence, is it? Right. Is it? I, I think they have the that it's it's. I mean, if you listen to it from the 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 angle of people who want to say there's an opportunity for it's a win win, if you like, the operators bring for a start. They have the the network technologies. They have the end to the last mile stuff. They have the five G network that provides the connect the connectivity, and they also have the the facilities that might be used for edge computing. So if you go and talk to someone like Telefonica about this, or BT actually in the UK, they talk about, you know, maybe in the future edge computing becomes, you know, hundreds of hundreds of mini data centres across the country, you know, kitted out with the appropriate software and servers supporting, you know, really, really low latency, you know, critical communication services. That's infrastructure they have that a company like Amazon doesn't have. So... And, yeah. and then Amazon brings its big cloud computing heft to it, and and you know IT skills basically. Right. And, so and it's you, basically it's basically getting that getting that utility and turning yeah. it into something useful. But the, the platform they're using that Vodafone's using is from Amazon. The actual yeah. pla- the Edge platform is an Amazon developed platform. So the wizardry comes from them really. Now that the interesting thing to me about it, one of the interesting things to me is. I, you know, as I've just said, with BT and, and Telefonica and certain other companies, I mean, BT, I remember being at a conference maybe a year ago, a year and a half, where they were talking about turning 100 of their sort of metro exchanges into um, edge facilities in the future. What Vodafone seems to be saying is that you can do this with just a handful of, of data centres. I mean, they've, they've got this one in uh, London that they're going to be using for the, for the rollout in spring. But they're talking mm-hmm. about being able to support a service between Newbury, which is the headquarters in the south of England, and Birmingham, which is about 90 miles north of Newbury, on on sub-10 milliseconds over that distance. Oh. So what? all this stuff about... So it's not like you need so, so, uh, this to is go the right thing. to the You edge. don't need... Well, I, I just wonder... I remember to talking me. to Scott Petty about this a while ago, who's, who's the CTO of Vodafone UK, so someone that our friend Jamie probably has quite a bit to do with these days. Yeah. And I, I remember saying to him... What about edge computing? This is maybe two years ago. I was chatting to him. What do, What are you going to do about investment you know, in edge facilities? Oi, petty! What are you going to Yeah, what are you going to do about getting the edge out and you know changing your your, your sort of um, exchanges into mini data centres and all this kind of stuff? And you know, do you how many do you need? Do you need sort of hundreds of these things? And he went, no, 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 no. We'll probably do the whole country with eight data centres and provide a fifteen to twenty millisecond service. And it now seems they can go even better than that, sub ten milliseconds. Well, let's not forget the speed of light's been maybe, quick, isn't maybe it? three or four, maybe, maybe less than that. So, so that's a good point, isn't it? Because sometimes when I'm envisaging the edge, we sort of imagine a little 
mini data centre at every base station, don't we? You do, and that, and that would never be practical anyway because the investment required yeah. would just be too much. To, have, and the to turn every ma- base yeah. station into... You know, to have Even all the it, all the stuff installed at each base station would be a massive investment job, and and that, and this is one of the things that Scott Petty said. He said that argument about needing loads and loads of little data centres is one that the the server companies love that right, obviously because they can sell loads of equipment. But yeah, and Intel actually, and you, you you can do this stuff with with much much less. And sub ten milliseconds is enough to do. You know the, the stuff that we've been talking about, some of this sinister yeah, stuff. I, suppose, I mean, maybe you need even less than that. To, when you get future, into the really but... utopian remote control stuff, like robotic surgery that we always take the piss out of, or but even you know, it's slightly less utopian, like automated vehicles. Um, I suppose you know, if you're talking about crash avoidance, yeah, uh, you always want that latency as low as possible. What's 10, 10 milliseconds is a hundredth of a second. That's pretty quick, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. That certainly quicken the reaction time of a human being. Yeah, one millisecond. A human being who's had a couple is of star a big problems. difference over that even. So, but so ten milliseconds possibly enough. I mean, they'd have to go further. You know, this is a bit of a tangent, but when we get into auto, it slightly overlaps with the sort of luddite stuff. Um, when we get into automated vehicles, first time one of them has a crash, they basically need to be a lot better than a human being. Yeah, you know, a human being has a crash because they're because they're just dicking about or trying to get the kids to shut up or they're distracted by a billboard or whatever. No one really thinks about it. Yeah. But, you know, if a machine has a crash, they're going to need to prove that that they've just ticked all the boxes in terms of providing the absolute maximum technology they could well, to Well, I think that that probably the whole self-driving stuff is further away than we've speculated in the past because of well, yeah. things like that. But, but, you know, when we talk about automated vehicles, we're talk- it's degrees, isn't there? Yeah. But, I mean, the, the you know, you... you, you asked an interesting question before about why do they need Amazon and, you know, the fact that it's, you know, developed this platform yeah. and, you know, they're, they're the kind of cloud computing giants, that they're, they're a kind of go-to person. And, and it's interesting that all these edge deals that are being announced in, and Vodafone certainly seems to have gone further than any other European company, as far as I'm aware, in terms of doing a deal with a web giant that has a specific low latency component to it. But I suspect others will come. And, that, and they're all going to be with AWS or Google or Microsoft, yeah? Guess so. And, Oracle's and, trying to get involved. And this is, yeah, okay, there might but be some others, but it's it's all, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because there's not many the, players. There's not many players, but you know, the oper- this is the question: is operators have complained for a long time about in you know what's happened in the consumer, the basic consumer sort of telecom market, where they feel like they've been a little bit sidelined, perhaps, and all the attention's gone this to is like OTTs companies like o- well, they, yeah. they call them OTTs, which is an expression. We don't really don't talk like. about that so much anymore. But like th- five could years this happen in, in the edge? Though this is the thing. You know, you're letting edge companies well, into your network. Well, that's why I brought it up. That's and, why I and that's the interesting up. thing We're to me. We're letting the fox is, into the hen house. That, that's again. the interesting story, really, with all of this, I think, is where does this lead to in the future where you've got these partnerships with Amazon and Vodafone? And, you know, I remember talking to Jamie and saying, who takes the lead in the customer relationship? And it sounds like a lot of stuff still needs to be worked out yet and the pricing needs to be announced. But there has to be a concern in the industry, I think, that, you know, do, do operators just end up again being sort of this new exciting edge opportunity that they've been talking about for a long time? So let a, they just end up becoming again, commoditized again. And doing, make the most they the do the grunt work and the guys who do all the exciting stuff and make the money are the are the big web giants. And, yes. you know, th- and this is why I think these, these sort of um, public cloud enthusiasts, and we've mentioned a, a couple of them in the past, who... You know, whenever there's a deal that's announced that doesn't involve the public cloud, they yeah, seem to think it's rubbish. an awful thing. Yeah. 
I think there's major questions about about using public cloud companies yeah. and and where where it takes the industry in the long run. And you know, it, retail is dead these days. The high street that they're trying to protect at the moment by allowing shops to open but not pubs um, is is gone anyway. I mean, they've got it the wrong way around. To be honest with you, the government. If you want to have a, a high street in the future, you should actually allow the pubs to open because Amazon can't replace those yet. But there's no need for a John Lewis or a Marks and Spencers. Well, yeah, I mean, so there, there's there's a, and, and a very topical current affairs narrative, of you know, I think we just we I don't think we mentioned it on a pod, but we we're talking just before. Oh, maybe we did like Arcadia and Debenhams and all that. So much stuff has economically been destroyed because of the response to this pandemic. They, they were in trouble anyway. Yes, and 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 now the government. But plenty of is, people who weren't in trouble are also yeah. But this is over this is one of the criticisms thing. of the. I mean, we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, yeah. but one of the criticisms of the furlough. But it's relevant to this. A few big companies uh, taking yes, over is. everything narrative. Uh, and and one of the criticisms about the furlough and and, the, and America did things quite differently to to a furlough. They had a sort of employment support yeah, system. Yeah, they've been shite as well, though, judging by the They've pub, been a bit shy, but what they haven't the done is say, we'll follow. keep your job alive and carry on paying you when it's a job that might not be worth be, be worth protecting in the future. Now, yeah. I, I, you, again, you don't want to... And you've got zombie companies and that sort zombie of Zombie companies. And, and and actually, most of these high street retailers, let's be honest, they're zombie companies. They're, they're on... They're yeah. on limited time. They really are. Because the the future of the town centre is not a place where people go to do shopping. If anything, it's a place where people go to eat and drink. And it might not be that if they, I think, if they I carry think on. Your, I think your position is slightly nuanced because there are other people who have made a success, maybe in part because they've done better. At, only only at by e-commerce. going into experiences. Yeah, and, and, and doing e-commerce better like Next or something like that. Um, but anyway... You know, your broad point, I can see, something like Arcadia. I mean, Philip Green looks like a complete liability at the best of times anyway. Yeah. Um, he's like a six-year-old bloke with a mullet. That's not a great start, as no. far as I'm concerned. Um, but but the, the telecom the, the telecom angle, that I, the, the, yeah. to bring it back to that, is that these the, the big web companies are, that's one sector that they've totally disrupted retail. And, you know, we're now in a situation where they're, advancing into the sector that we write about yeah. and and I just think there's got to be questions about where where it where it ends up really and yeah and, and and I suppose what's relevant about the tangent we just went off on about sort of industries being uh damaged by the reaction to the coronavirus is it just seems to accelerate what was already happening yeah which is a consolidation and with, and with so much Increasingly, like if you look at share prices, everyone's share prices until about a month ago when they started coming out with these vaccines. Everyone's share prices went down the toilet, yeah. except big tech, which just kept going. And, up. They, and then the vaccines made, made uh, zooms went down the toilet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a bit of a correction. Anyway, I want one more thing before I move it on. How, how, how long have we gone on that one for? That was, that was a tangent. good forty minutes, I think. Um, Nearly, yeah. Yeah. Before I move on, so my Amazon one. They sent me an email. Oh, yeah. What did they say? They said, hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. I saw your article. Oh, yeah. Firstly, actually, I I didn't put the subject field in this, but the subject field said, from AWS, corrections. I mean, that's pretty fucking presumptuous, isn't it? It is, yeah. (laughs) But when when you're a big web giant that controls the world, you can just impose your will on other people. Yeah, do you know what I mean? No no attempt (laughs) to sugar the pill at all. Go, you know, hello, Scott, you're wrong. Here's right. how to here's how to make yourself not wrong. Your and opinions just, are wrong, Scott. You know, and they you know they just obviously don't know me very well because as soon as someone talks to me like that, I just dig my heels in. Um, and uh, I mean, hi, Scott. Yeah, I am a child. I'll admit <laughs> it. Um, 
Hi, Scott. I saw your article. I'll, I'll hold my breath. Um, I saw your article and wanted to flag that your depiction of Amazon Monitron, Amazon Pan, and AWS Panorama are factually and technically inaccurate and need to be corrected. They need wow. to be. Do they? Or what? <laughs> They're going what to come down what happens like if they don't mate. get corrected? They're going to cancel the Amazon Prime account. Do You're going to be punisher tronned. I'll be punisher tronned. Well, that's they're kind of proving my point, aren't they? By yeah. by by using this passive aggressive language, and you go, I'll list each issue for you. That's nice of them, isn't it? Um, along with an explanation, and I'm not going to read it all because they go at great length. But you know, they have a go. Uh, um, I say uh, they quote me uh, as saying. The thinking is this significantly cuts the number of technicians you need to employ and the level of training even those few remaining ones need because the AI does most of the heavy lifting. Then you just need some minimum wage drone to perform simple repetitive tasks as required. Again, a bit hyperbolic, a bit of a characterization, but I still think the essence of it is true. Yeah. They're trying to they're trying to de-skill people and replace them with yeah. AI. Anyway, and they go ba ba ba, which is basically like a copy and paste from their press release, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think I even finished reading it because I got bored. Um, and then they go, the genius... <laughs> this is quoting me again. The geniuses at AWS decided Monotron was a great name for something that keeps an eye on everything. And again, they go, well, no, 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 technically inaccurate. Uh, here's, here's some reasons why we're right and you're wrong. And, and, and this sort of goes on. What were their five points? And then I like the concluding paragraph once they finish listing my my many flaws please let me know when you'll be able to update your story did you did you bother responding or did you just ignore them i copied and pasted their whole email keeping it anonymous because yeah. we know it's not cool to name yeah. and shame uh, communications people they're just doing their jobs at the end of the day even if they're doing it in a rather passive aggressive way yeah um i just copied and pasted the whole thing whack that at the bottom of my piece as an update and then sent them an email back going yeah thanks updated and they haven't got back to me. Nipsey really saw it and just thought, fucker. Because the last thing they want is their emails copied yeah, and pasted yeah. in the public domain. But I think I did it in a sufficiently discreet way, i.e. keeping it anonymous. Putting it into comments, you mean, or at the bottom oh, of I put the it as, as an update at yeah, the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not even in comments. I just put it as an update in bold, yeah. going Amazon got in touch, is what they said, yeah. without any further commentary. But I didn't change the body copy. No. Because this is another thing, actually, very quickly. This is something that, that yeah, I know up here. We're, we're, um, we're done now. Let's go to the pub. Um, <laughs> companies increasingly, this is a journalistic thing, this isn't a telecoms thing at all, but increasingly journalists will amend, but because nearly all publications are electronic these days, yeah. they will amend stuff, but they won't even say they've done it. So yeah, they'll yeah. memory hole it. Yeah. And I think that's what they're asking me to do, is change the body copy. But as far as I'm concerned, as soon as it's published, whether it's electronic or print, it's out there. Yeah. And the ethical thing to do is to put updates at the bottom. Yeah. But never, the only thing I ever amend is typos. I meant, yeah, I meant typos. That's, uh, which I have to do all too often. Um, anyway, so that's that. I better, I better discipline myself there. What are we going to talk about next? We're going to talk about industry numbers. Um, so there's a couple of industry number stories. The one that I wrote myself was Deloro, which I think we all accept as the best analyst house for kit vendors. Mm-hmm. Do we yep. accept that? Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, so do I. And Ericsson certainly does, mm-hmm. because they swear by him. And and then the other one was another analysis Mason sort of forecast. Oh, no, we're going to get onto that in, in the open run bit, aren't we? 
Yeah, I, I mean, the analysis Mason, they did a... Oh, they did another one, yeah, Wacom. They didn't do anything that. to do Sorry, with... Sorry, yeah, I was um, tripping over myself. There's two analysis Mason around. They did a, yeah. Okay, so I'll do the Delora one, and I'll ask you about analysis Mason, yeah? Okay. Um, so Delora, basically, well, the interesting thing about the Delora numbers is that the two big telecoms kit vendors that have done best this year in terms of increasing overall market share... This is overall telecom revenue, not just RAN or anything. Exactly. This isn't just mobile. This is 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 the whole equipment market. This is mobile and fixed. Yeah. So it includes people like Cisco and Sienna and all that sort of thing. But even within that context, the two that have done best are Drumroll, Huawei and ZTE, Mm. which is a bit counterintuitive given the well-documented hassle they've been getting off the Yanks all year. Um, And so there's... I think the primary explanation of this is just the Chinese market. Um, but I think there are some nuances within that. So the Chinese market's huge. We, we all know that. I think there was... 700,000 uh, base stations by the end of the year. 700k. And there was 5G a... base stations. And then there was another story um, reported in China Daily, which I know any Chinese media, you have to take a pinch of salt because they don't tend to stay f- functioning very long if they deviate it's, it's too Xi Jinping's from the party favourite, line. isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't know. There's Global Times, there's there's People's Daily, there's Xinhua, which is obviously the sort of state thing. So China Daily, I don't know much about. I'd have to ask Wei. I always ask Wei, you know, how yeah. how in the pocket of CCP is this particular one? Because yeah. there are degrees. Yeah. But, I mean, none of them are just going to come out and go, Xi Jinping's a fucking idiot. An arse. Yeah, you know, they're not going to hang around for long if they do that. Um, oh. Arguably, nor is anyone elsewhere in the world. But that's No, you're, you're, you're in trouble now. Well, quite. I already know I'm not going to China. No, you were quoting hypothetically. You didn't say. Don't it. worry, man. I'm not. I'm getting yeah. nowhere near China. I've written too many. No, that's still too far. You can't. I've written even... too many things. Well, your colour is a bit Mao. You know. A bit Maui, Maui. <laughs> um, uh, yes, um, the China Daily thing uh, said they reckon there'll be a million of them, not a billion, as per one of my typos in that story. That's that would be a lot. Yeah, a, a million of them next year. <laughs> That'd be good for edge computing. Yes. <laughs> Um, it'll be one per dude in China, wouldn't it, more or less? Um, your own personal base station yeah, can strap exactly. you back. And- Which would be handy for 5G. It would. Uh, for millimetre wave. <laughs> um, so, yes. So that's what the, and, But the, the interesting subtext of that, so, I mean, we know the Chinese market's huge, mm. not just by virtue of its population, but by virtue of how advanced it is against that population. For example, the market's much bigger than India which is actually catching up with China in terms of total headcount, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah. But China's more advanced technologically, and, it's, and, and I think there's, funnily enough, actually a better distribution of wealth in China than there is in India. Do, do you know what it says to me? Mm. It says that bugger all's been happening in the rest of the world this year, actually, I think. So I think, you know, let's assume that things improve a bit next year and we start to get this vaccine out and we come out of lockdowns and there's a bit more investment activity. You know, quite a lot of European operators have not, you know, they've, they've not moved ahead perhaps as fast with their 5G rollouts as, as would have happened if, if, we, but you if reckon, we didn't have coronavirus but you they... and if we'd had spectrum auctions, et cetera, et cetera. See, yeah. You know, deals have been announced. You know, BT's done deals with Nokia and, and Ericsson and, and there's there's other stuff. But you look at Ericsson's numbers, it, you know, in its in its Q3, and all the growth comes from China. I know. This is why China is so important to them. And they only have 10% of that market, 10, 10 to 12%. One of the reasons Nokia's say. struggling. Yeah, and exactly, exactly right. And, you know, I think you've, the, you know, the, any growth has is, is come from that Chinese market where they've, 
they claim to have got over coronavirus a lot more quickly than the rest well, of us, and, and we're never really sure what's going one. on there. Have you read the Spectator this week? No, not yet. There's Didn't turn a, up today. Oh, uh, I read it on my phone um, on, on the well, way. Well, I in. do as well, but I, I prefer um, to read the hard copy no, because I'm a enough. bit of an old traditionalist. But, fair um, enough. Well, there's a there's a Douglas Murray piece where he goes on about reparations and stuff. Right. But one little data point he puts in it. You know how like recently they announced the UK economy is going to be down like ten percent yeah. year on year or something like that. Well, China is actually going to grow this year. Right. And so people at like Douglas, it Murray, always does though, doesn't it? Well, it's yes. What, it's how quickly it grows. Yes. Yeah. There is that. But people like Douglas and Murray are going, well, they seem to have got over it all right. Mm. And so they're starting to put two and two together, I think a bit tenuously. I'm a big fan of Douglas Murray, but I think on that one he might be reaching a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, you know, they're making the point, how come China's got over it so well and we're all still fucked? Well, because they're a totalitarian state. Where well, you can I think lock that is a big reason. Flats and that is a big reason. So they could just... Pub- Pub ventures and yeah, there's no moaning about having to have a scotch. <laughs> there's egg there's in no China, people sitting around on the on the on ones with common drinking beers with the police going, "Oh, you should really move on, but not do much about it." You know, that's, no, uh... you, you do what you're told in China, don't you? <laughs> um, no, I think that's a really good point. And actually, that to circle back to what we were just talking about with the uh, kit market, you know, I think another reason China, uh, Huawei and ZTE have done well is with all this stuff they've been getting from Trump and the US. You can bet Xi Jinping will have been... In fact, he's, he's been overt about it, yeah. about mobilising the whole country, including private enterprise, to make sure that they, that they survive this attack. Yeah. And so he will have been chucking money at uh, operators, at, um, at Huawei and said, you know, we had, this, we had this weird little acquisition of Huawei's Honor smartphone well, sub-brand. I think this is the other thing, though, as well. When we talk about equipment, which is what Deloro does, rather than handsets, yeah. you know, a lot of the impact that's happened on Huawei so far has actually been on the consumer business, you know, where it's more noticeable quite quickly. You know, the equipment markets, it tends to play out, I think, over a longer period of time. You know, they've they've had these restrictions announced in some European com- countries and some service providers have said, whatever the government's doing, we're going to use Ericsson or Nokia yeah. like in Belgium. You know, some of those are quite small markets Sweden. for a start, yeah. Sweden. But it's it's not had an effect yet. It's no. what happens in the future. And you've also got to remember that they were never in America in the first place. African markets don't give a toss about all of this, I don't think. No. They'll just do what, because China basically owns Africa anyway. <laughs> they'll just carry on using Huawei and ZTE because yeah. they, they care more about them than what, what you know, Biden or yeah, Trump's going to And they'll say. be getting all kinds of um, money on the slide. You know, and, and then some other Asian sweet. markets. The, 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 as far as I can see, the situation in Asia is that countries that didn't really use Huawei very much before uh, are not using it. And countries that did are just going to carry on doing that. So... You know, there's a bit, India is an interesting one. You know, there's been this big sort of faffing around about what India does with Chinese vendors, but you know, as far as I can tell at the moment, it's all a bit inconclusive anyway, really. And it's not as though they're rolling out 5G kit yet. They still haven't got a, had a spectrum auction. I'd be they're very still surprised, not... given how they're acting towards apps. Yeah, and and how people are all clubbing each other in the Himalayas. Yeah, I'd be surprised if. There's a lot of far winds. Although FTA. apparently the operators are asking for Chinese kit vendors to be allowed into trials. Uh, it's a story mm. that's come out this week. Well, interesting. But, um, but it, it wouldn't. The point is with Deloro's numbers, it wouldn't have had. I don't think at the moment what's going on in, in India, which is basically just a lot of talk about should they p- participate in trials. It's not as though they've even started deploying 5G networks. I think 
we'll see we, the impact on Huawei will come in the future, really, from what's happening in the equipment side. I don't think, and and it will be mitigated, obviously, by what's by what's going on in China. So, yeah. Now, the question is whether this huge investment that, that's happened in China this year, you know, seven hundred thousand base stations, is there going to be a bit of a drop off in China next year? Well, like How many said, bloody base so stations report, do you need? I mean, you know? it's just a guess. But this report is going a mill next yeah. year, or another million next year. Yeah. How, I mean, what? What are they doing? They have a base country, station in everybody's house. Well, this 1.2 billion. Yeah, but it's what's Chinese the people. what's the um, okay 1.2 billion Chinese people is what say 350 400 million in America these days. Yeah. So it's, but you wouldn't have. So how many, there's far have you got far any idea bases, I know it. I don't actually know the figure, okay. but I know it's a lot lot less. In fact, there you was, I think me Deloitte came out with a paper where it did base stations per, you know per number Capital, of people per hundred thousand yeah. or something like that a bit like a coronavirus calculation yeah. and and it was a massive difference between china and the us yeah, they've been building out um, like crazy but they as as we've covered they've got this sort of top-down centralized thing um so you know notwithstanding douglas murray conspiracy theories about how how come everyone else is suffering and they're not um they've also got you know, this is the argument in favour of undemocratic countries is they're more efficient. And by the way, they are. Yeah. But it just just so happens that they tend to... Well, they're end undemocratic. Up, yeah, and, and they tend to end up being massively oppressive um, uh, and, and obviously favouring the people wearing the, you know, holding all the power. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yes, it, it's perfectly plausible that they will have rebounded better and that their economy will have rebounded better because you will have got a lot more sort of Keynesian... Um, uh, you know, stimulus spending yeah. going on. And I bet they've been doing that like crazy. Um, so, yes, that explains it. So let's, let's move on. Um, analysis Mason Way wrote that for us. Mm. And I obviously read it, but it goes in one eye at the other. Well, don't expect days. me to shed a huge amount on it. I mean, I know they... they I didn't cover the up. story myself, but they basically... Um, I came out with some top-line forecasts about how the market's developing at the moment. So and, why don't you uh, just get straight onto the open rent stuff because you've got some thoughts about that. Um, yeah, I mean, well, the, my, my open rent thoughts really don't come so much from analysis Mason as, but they've um, got some forecasts. They they have some they have some fairly um, yeah they have some fairly big numbers that they're attaching to open rent and where they expect it to be going in the mid twenty twenties, which I, I I I queried with them and haven't had a response yet. Um, I mean, we've what had a, their we've, forecast. We've, well, we've had a few of these actually in the last few weeks, which I find interesting, and and it makes you wonder if companies are mistaken about what the RAN market is. You know, whether whether they're sort of mixing other things up in right. the RAN market and and perhaps including other equipment in that. Because if you take Deloro's numbers, and it actually it's not just Deloro, it's Omdia, uh, they both put the RAN market at let's say about thirty five billion a year at most, you know, the, the amount overall that gets spent. Overall RAN market. Overall RAN spending. If it's strictly RAN, you know, we're talking base about the base station and stuff mm. and all that, yeah. Um, the actual wireless um, market as a whole is about, according to Delor, it's about 150 billion because you've got in investments in the core, you've got a lot of investments in passive infrastructure, cement, steel, civil engineering works, all that kind of stuff, backhaul. But it's still infrastructure, it's not tariffs and stuff no this is infrastructure yeah. so that so rand's actually quite a small part of the overall okay. wireless fair enough um the overall wireless market now analysis mason's forecasts are that open ran bearing in mind this is a 30 to 35 billion market annually 
will be a 40 billion mark, open RAN will be 40 right. billion by 2025, so which I don't understand how that RAN can will be, be the bigger case. than all RAN. Open RAN will be bigger than all RAN. And I don't know what they're expecting to happen to traditional RAN in this, in this time frame. This is, so I looked at so the, the other thing that's come out, we're talking about market sizing. The other thing that's come out this week, this week which I wrote about today, was our, was our own sister company's numbers on Open RAN. Which is Omdia. Which is Omdia. So Daryl Schular, who's sort of practice leader at um, Omdia, who does all this stuff, came out with his own figures um, which to me seem really, really sensible. I'm not just saying that because they're a sister organisation. No, we're allowed to slag off our own people. I'll slag off light reading. Um, I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, mental. So he, his, his figures are uh, open ran. I think it was even my headline more or less. Open ran is a $3.2 billion market by 2024. And he actually put it he put it in context of what that means as a share of spending on 4G and 5G ran equipment by that date, which is 9.4%. Right. Which is call, pretty let's, much let's call what, it ten and be, be, call it be ten, generous. Which, is, which is actually tallies very closely with what Deloro is projecting over that period. So that's They're more like so that's more like that's less than a billion, isn't it? It's less than a billion. And 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 to be honest with you, you know, you you talk to people who don't do market sizing but know a hell of a lot about um, open RAN and about infrastructure. So let's let's bring up another analyst. He's from a sister company, Gabriel Brown at Heavy Reading. He was chatting with with our my editor Phil Harvey yesterday on a a little video that went up on the website oh, about yeah, Open RAN that this man <laughs> would have done. By Pierre, of and, uh, and he was saying, you know, you look at the way it's developing, you know, next year is probably just going to be more more trials, you know, a few companies announcing it going into production networks. You know, we've got a number of challenges that still need to be overcome. What's going to happen on the semiconductor front? But he said, you know, to look about look at this stuff, it's, it's a four to five year time frame, really, where it, before it really starts to... Open to round. take off, yeah, open round. Yeah. I just the, the, there's so much hype about open round at the moment. People are getting really carried away with it because governments and the industry have thrown that operators and governments have talked about it in a way that um, makes it out to be like a panacea to all the world's problems, you know. And and it's still a, it's still a very very small deal. It's less than one percent of overall spending at the moment. If it goes up to ten percent by twenty twenty four, that's staggering growth. For it mm. to be forty billion by twenty twenty five, I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, I no. mean, maybe analysis Mason, if, if anybody there's watching this, maybe they can explain wh- where that forecast comes from. But and I don't like to just sort of call out analysts and say no, you're, no, you're talking not shit. Po- but and full disclosure, you work there. I did back used in to work day. for analysis Mason a long time ago, although not not as an not as an analyst. I was sort of a Tweaking, tweaking the coffee, weren't you? And making coffee, yeah. Um, I'm just looking up because you reminded me of one other thing, um, which is I wrote a story headline: UK goes big on open ran. Um, yeah. Well, this this ties in with what with the hype. Yeah, yeah. And and so basically, the UK came out with one of these government things that went. We, we've had a think. And Anyone want is, that? I know you have it, mate. Um, we've had a think, and this is how we reckon things should be in telecoms. Which always cracks us up, you know, when, you know, journalistically, that's our area of expertise. I'm not going to claim to be an expert compared to an engineer or whatever. But that's our area of expertise. And when the government just decides to poke its nose in, and we got that guy, I can't remember his name. Dowden. Yeah, Dowden. And they, and they have a different DCMS person. He, he read law at Cambridge before right, going so he into read politics. Law, but and he's now, like, now he's an like, open RAN expert. I'm giving, I'm giving telecoms a go. <laughs> Because it'll look good on my CV, um, and uh, and he's gone. Yeah, we're all about open round now. Yeah, and you can tell. You know, he doesn't obviously know anything about it. Um, 
And the question is, you know, why is he all about open rant? I'm going to hand it to you because I've got a sneeze going on. And I think, and I want you to discuss this, I think it's because of political pressure probably from the US. Yeah, I, yeah, agreed. I think open rands become open rands become the that's got it the technology that people have latched onto as a way to diversify the equipment sector. And you know, governments like the UK see it as a way to deal with the Huawei problem specifically. You know, they, they've come along and been pretty draconian with with Huawei more so than any other government in Europe. You know, they. I think there were new Especially rules. Especially the recent thing where they no, even new rules announced this week. Ramped even. up. Well, that was part of the same story. It's part of the same story. It's interesting. They said you can't that, even look at Huawei kit yeah, for and, next year. And and it, clearly they're looking at Open RAN as an answer because it was the same day that the announcement was. You know, it was it dovetailed with the announcement about you can't install Huawei equipment after September next year. Lo and behold, there's this paper out on all about. I don't know how many times Open RAN appeared in it, but it must. If you did a search, it was probably dozens. And it was the same um, very top level stuff. Like there's a few people. I don't know if they name drop people like Parallel or whatever. But um, you know, there's a few companies that, that look like they might be good at this. Yeah. And that's about the extent of their... Yeah. And, and this is insight. the thing. But the, this, the question for me is, um, I just don't think that Open RAN is necessarily going to give them what they want. They want a... Yeah, when Open RAN came along originally, it wasn't as politicised as it is now. No. It, was, it, was, it was basically an opportunity to lower costs perhaps and, and introduce innovation into parts of the network where you know if you wanted to do, go and do sort of rural rollouts where you felt the big kit vendors weren't really prioritizing stuff like that then maybe open and ran give a, the good, pick, a good solution to do and that and give the kit, big kit vendor something to think about in negotiations exactly and now it's become how to diversify the the supply chain away from chinese vendors. away from chinese vendors. heavy reading did a survey where actually that came out as the number one reason for using right, open round was to diversify the supply chain and I don't. I'm not convinced it will diversify the supply chain because. So if you look this, at, is, this is moving on to the sort of final segment because I suspect you're going to talk about some of the writing you've done on on the sort of cost benefit analysis. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Just for yeah, Pierre's right. purposes, when he's doing his little caption, his little, his little labels up so, on the screen. Um, so why don't you just just keep going as you as you were? I just wanted to interrupt with that little, little juncture. Yeah. So on the diversification point, you know the the RAN sector, and I, I talked to a couple of people this week on the record. Talked to Nokia actually about it. They've obviously got um, they're an interesting company because they're one of the big kit vendors, but more enthusiastic about open round than the other ones. You know they sort of positioning it as an opportunity, but at the same time you could say they've got quite a lot to lose from it. And they all do. You know they, they made the point. Definition. I said to them, well, you know. The RAN market has consolidated a lot in the last 20 years. You know, you go back to when I first got into telecom, there used to be, I don't know if it was a dozen, but there were eight, nine, ten maybe companies selling RAN equipment. You know, they, they were quite, you know, p people like Motorola, Alcatel, yeah. Lucent, Nortel, you know, Siemens. You put them all together and you had a really quite diversified market. We've now gone down to three big vendors controlling about 80%. Um, and, and one of in some, ruled out. and one of them's been ruled out in some countries. So just to, now, sorry to interrupt, but to quickly recap on the Delora numbers, Huawei's at thirty percent of the total yep. telecoms kit market. Yeah, and I think uh, Nokia's on what sixteen, and maybe so, Nokia's on fifteen. Yeah, Ericsson and Nokia. Like so yeah. Ericsson and Nokia Ericsson combined Nokia are about the same as Huawei. Yeah. So taking Huawei out of the equation is a massive chunk. Yeah, I mean that, those numbers are, be are better for Ericsson really because it's a mobile specialist. Yes. Whereas Nokia do does all sorts of things. And so. it should be stressed that both uh, both uh, Huawei and ZTE do a bit of both. Yeah, they? yeah, yeah. 
Um, but the, but the consolidation that's happened in the industry, you know, this this sector requires huge R and D commitments. You know, the companies themselves have been squeezed on pricing. You know, uh, we've had a Chinese vendor coming along and putting a huge amount of pricing pressure on. Uh, the existing vendors. You look at their margins; they're not massively profitable. In fact, yeah. I think Nokia might even, until recently, was loss making. Yeah. I don't see that there's a there's a rip off going on in any in any sense. And I'm not Good convinced point. that uh, that open round companies coming along who are very very small. Play, you know, there's this big argument that gets made about general pur- because it's general purpose kit, it's going to be cheaper than customized gear. It just nobody ever looks at that very analytically. They, you know, they they just sort of take it as red that oh, yeah. because it's general purpose, it must be cheaper. No, and it there won't will be, be someone whose yeah. job it is to provide the special source, and they still be able to charge what they want. Yeah, and I just I just wonder if this market is going to end up consolidating in the future again to just you know a few. You know, if Ericsson and Nokia decide they're going to start doing it, which they will, if it becomes something that operators really seriously want, and it's more than ten percent of the market in future, they're going to they're going to get into it. How are small companies going to be able to compete against the industry oh, giants? Bought. I mean, they'll get bought, they'll get acquired, and so the only way they won't get acquired is if regulators intervene and say, "No, we're going to block." Now, how does a regulator justify blocking the takeover of Mavenir by Ericsson when it allowed? Nokia to buy Alcatel Lucid. Totally, and uh, you know, and and that's where we get into the sort of uh, state intervention in markets thing. You know, they don't know what they're doing. Oliver Dowden, I'm sure he's a great bloke. I'm sure he got a first a great degree from Oxford yeah. Law, and and all that. But he doesn't know shit about telecoms. No. He's just he's just passing the message. And he'll on. be doing a different job in two years' time. He'll yeah. be moved around to do something else. So. Um, and and yet. Suddenly they're going, and you know, and this is this is consistent with the current climate we're in, where suddenly the government feels empowered to poke its nose into pretty much fucking everything. Yeah. Um, suddenly they're poking their nose into it, going, "No, I do this," and picking winners and subsidising this and t- and and sanctioning that. And I just, I just don't <laughs> so see how what, this is the star of Pramen taking effect. Yeah, I just took a big swig; it caught, caught up with me. <laughs> um, sorry about that; it's very unprofessional. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, they should just stay out. They, they can't pick winners. The, the, the reason you, you know, this sounds a bit free market fundamentalist, but the reason the market has to be there is because there's all these forces, there's supply and demand, there's a, a million different stakeholders all going, no, I want this, I want that. You know, it's a very dynamic, very fluid system. Yep. You can't just have a top down dilettante come in and go, nah, yeah. do this. It just, it never works. It doesn't, no. I mean, it might work in somewhere like China, where you've got an entire massive ecosystem that's all controlled from the top. And you know, I'd have to, I'd have and, to chat to someone in China. To and I, and I worry as that. well about, and, and I know there are analysts that have, have expressed concern about this as well. And actually, I, I quoted one in my, I didn't speak to him directly, but he'd written a piece on LinkedIn, which I referred to, and we both know Dean Bubbly. Yeah, yeah. Who'd written By a the piece way, about? Um, he uh, he messaged me on Twitter to say that he was cracking up at our last podcast. Oh, that's good to so know. Thanks, Dean. But he, but he wrote a really good piece on LinkedIn about com- about governments going too far in terms of what they mandate, you know, and and the fact that you know it, it's getting almost getting to the stage where the UK, it seems, and and you know may, maybe maybe other governments in Europe actually start to introduce open RAN requirements into 
into tenders, you know, and say that if you're going to come yeah. and compete in our equipment market, it has to be open rank compliant. And that and that's something the UK, uh, you know, this telecom task force they set up a few weeks ago with Ian Livingston in charge. Even he was advising against that. He was saying, we don't want to go down the road of just having open RAN as a solution. You want to have a number of players, some doing proprietary, some it's doing open a, RAN. It's such to a actually blunt mandate open RAN. You know that you have to do this 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 system that's, that's come along because we've decided because we've good. decided this makes sense. It's almost like saying you can't sell Apple Macs anymore because they're too tightly integrated, and everybody should go out and build their own PCs from scratch because that's the Very only way. That's the only way we should do. It. Well, it's not my analogy. I, I, I nicked that off Daryl Schooler from Omdia, okay. I should say. But well, uh, good. now you get little former brownie points for passing mm-hmm. on the compliment. But yeah. Um, are we, are we way, way over our allotted? No, no, we're good, we're good. Yeah. Um, but we will start wrapping up soon. Um, yes, so... Well, cost is what we were going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, go on, because you wrote about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so one of the original arguments about Open Round was... I'll, get, um, I'll have another burpee swig of my beer. ...was, was about lowering um, costs. And as I say, this heavy reading survey showed that the, the, the main incentive seems to be supply diversity. Costs actually quite low down compared to maybe where you'd have seen it a few years ago. And I think the trouble is people are realising it's not... It's probably not going to save you that much money. It might do in the future, maybe, but... Um, Neville Ray at T-Mobile US raised a few questions about this at an investor conference. He had a bit of a go at Open RAN and said a lot of these arguments oh, about... Yeah. Because I wonder about him, because now that um, Ledger's gone... Is he English? Gone, I think he is. I, 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 I thought his he's name got, was Ray Neville. Ray Neville. But he's, yeah. It's yeah. Neville Ray. But he's got a kind of slightly strange accent. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, could be he can't quite place it, but he sounds like he might be no, British. Um, Neville is he not does a sound like... He's probably, uh, he's probably sort of Anglo and then has yeah, been yeah. in like California but he, for 20 But years. he stood up at but this well, investor event. Me, so about yeah. like he's, he's been a real gobshite in the past, but he obviously he's a CTO. He knows what he's talking about. So I wonder whether now that Ledger's gone... Yeah. How much of Neville Ray stuff? Like he'd stand up. I remember once he was at an Ericsson thing, and he'd be wearing his pink T-shirt and giving right. it all that. He doesn't do that anymore. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. why I'm, I'm asking yeah. you because I, I'm, he's sort of fallen off my radar. But I wonder whether he was just. Well, sort I of I know that he um, he's uh, his comments weren't welcomed by Deutsche Telekom. I can okay. tell you that because I got in touch with them. Which comments about Open RAN? Saying it's a bit overblown. Yeah, he basically stood up and said it's a bit overblown. He said, we're, we're not really convinced by it at the moment. He says a lot of cost stuff we, we, we think is a big TBD at the moment. You know, to and be, we should to stress, be, sorry, to that, that Deutsche Telekom owns. Yeah. And, um, or bits of it, anyway. And I did a bit of digging around this, but I wrote quite a long story about open rank costs and how probably it won't save you much money after all. I spoke to a few analysts about it. Did you the figure it? I cited did you do any Excel work? Did a bit of Excel work. Oh, good. But the, but the figure I... Came out with earlier the the the, the fact that wireless um, the wireless equipment market is 150 billion, and ra- open ra- yeah, ran sorry not open ran but ran within that's about a fifth of that, you know. Then you've got all the other spending that goes on, you know. They've got a lot of questions about are you really going to save money on general purpose equipment, you know, overusing yeah. stuff that's sold at scale that's customized and how to do one particular is job. job. I mean, it'll still have to be specialized to the job yeah, to some ex- degree. Exactly, and and you start to th- you start to realize that the cost savings are they're probably minuscule. In fact, I, I, I mean, I have to read the story because I can't even remember some of the calculations that I put into it. But you, you're talking right, about I'll take your word for you're it. talking about a tiny, tiny percentage of. Uh, of what operators spend in capital expenditure that they might yeah. be able to save. So the marginal saving The marginal improvement is, is it works yeah. out a, a, a really minuscule amount of spending. And then so you look at the calm down. operating costs as an even bigger issue because 
if you're all of a sudden you're using um, multiple companies and you might even need to bring a systems integrator in to manage all this. So there's an extra you know, layer of then cost. There's an extra layer of cost there anyway. So. And, that's, and the SI will probably be Ericsson or something. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Um, so No, that's a really good point. And that'll be, you know, I, what's really made me laugh about when we've, you know, like when we were allowed to have actual live press conferences, maybe it was like 11 months ago. We had that Ericsson one in London. When we knew Mobile Congress wasn't happening and they quickly just got one in that hotel. Yeah. Uh, and then we went out and that, with that pissed analyst after. <laughs> um, and, and I stood up and I think Ray stood up and we were challenging Ericsson on the Open RAN stuff because they were being really sitting on the fence. They're going, yeah, they're going, yes, we really like Open RAN. Yeah. That's my Swedish accent. That's, that's not um, bad. And, it's uh, all about the and we were like, <laughs> and and we were like, you're not fooling us, son. I yeah. think it might even be Frederick who was there, and he was knackered, wasn't he? He was. Heavily was he jet lagged? Oh, he's jet because he just literally got off a plane. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was knackered. Um, it's a fair play to him standing up and putting up with shit yeah. from us. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I still I maintain how I felt on that day, and I still do that now. They've got to talk a good game because their customers are quite keen on open ran. Yeah. Or at least they're saying they are. Yeah. So they can't be just like fuck open run, because that will seem quite rightly it will seem contemptuous. It will seem like they're taking their customers for granted. But obviously behind closed doors, if we had Frederick in here now, and we, we like turned off the cameras and we went off and finished up. By the way, we gave him a few pumps. Oh, this is nice. This hazy Jane. You do like uh, it, yeah? yeah I love it. A sip of that. It's a bit it's fruity, got, isn't it? It's, it's got it's got a lot going on. Yeah. Love it. Um, and we took him off and got him to have a few stars or hazy Janes or whatever. He'd be like, yeah, of course. We hate it. Yeah. So we know they hate it because it's an existential risk to their business model. Yeah. But I think you're completely right. Um, they're, they're, oh, yeah, this is the reason I brought them up. Their counter-argument, when they're not sitting on the fence and not holding their cars close to their chest, is going to be, yeah, okay, but look at all the extra good shit you get from us, from integrators. So it's the Apple versus yeah. Apple versus PC, the Mac versus exactly, PC argument. Exactly. And, and I think the... If, if Ericsson, Nokia, Huawei, etc. are the uh, Macs versus the PCs, I think that, that argument does hold some water. Yeah. And you found that there isn't even this great saving in going to a PC versus a Mac anyway. Well, which I, is, I, no, which may, no, maybe is there is. There. To now, them. Now this is so. This is a point that Daryl Schooler made at Omdia that that you know if you he actually used that analogy that it, you know the integrated the integrated stuff that you get from Ericsson. You know, if you went out and bought all the components separately and built it yourself, you, you know, you pay you pay more probably. There's a premium attached yeah. to that integrated model. The trouble is that you you sort of offset it with all the hassle you have to Quite, go to totally. to put it all together yourself. Totally. So, you know, the, the, what you might save on on bill of materials, then you end up sort of you know you 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 don't realize that. And then and then and then the, the bigger point, you know, putting it into a a percentage sort of system is that op- that ran is actually not. Yeah, it's a lot. They spend a lot on radio, but it's only a small amount of what operators spend overall. You know, right. look at the, the 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 capex spending and how much goes on the actual RAN. It's, you know, I, I, as opposed to actual towers and stuff like that. Yeah, as opposed to overall wireless, and then you've all, of course you've also got the the fixed businesses that some companies have as well. So they've got a lot a lot of other costs they need to support there. Now, you, all right, you might be able to realise similar savings in areas like transport and the core from virtualization and some of the other stuff that's going on that's similar to open RAM, but it's just in other domains. But there are some things you you can't virtualize cement. Yes. You know? And you can't virtualize labor. 
And you can't virtualize sales and marketing costs. Well, I think I don't say you can't virtualize labor, mate. That's back to our first segment. But anyway, well, well you still need to have someone to put the bloody thing up unless you get a robot to do it. Well, well but maybe, watch out. And then you've got to pay for the robot. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up. I want, I want to see if there's a sort of common position on it, on Open RAN. Um, oh, actually, yes. This doesn't remind me to go full circle back to the first thing we spoke about. And um, we're saying how, um, you know, talking about metaphors like letting the fox into the hen house and all that sort of thing. What if you go down the Open RAN route and then the main provider of Open RAN is Amazon? Yeah, that's, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. They're already good at Edge. Well, well, the, the, main, the main provider of Open RAN might be Nokia or Ericsson. No, but the main provider of the special source. So, right, so, yeah, you've, yeah, so okay. you've got like Intel and Lenovo and, and whoever providing the, the, the server kit. Yeah. Uh, the and you've got, and you've got Ericsson and Nokia doing the radio stuff, but but the, the cool stuff that makes it all work. Well, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, so careful what you wish and, for. And, and this is the other thing, to, to sort of bring it back to the big web companies, you know, the, 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 the web giants, um, you know, Operators all of a sudden really worried about vendor consolidation, aren't they, in the in the radio access network market? And the fact that you've only got these three big companies, it's actually a bit more than that anyway, because you've got other options there that are a little bit smaller. Samsung and Samsung, so. and you know. But why aren't why you know why are they so worried about that, and yet they're so happy to get into bed with with Amazon and Microsoft and Google? Or quite out when, of frying pan into the fire, isn't it? When there's only but they're uh, American. Their, their dominance is even more worrying than the dominance of of, of yeah. Nokia and Ericsson. And, and at the same time, honest. the Americans are all doing these antitrust investigations and and yeah. all these sort of things into them. Anyway, we better wrap it up. One thing I wanted to ask you just to sort of draw a line under the open round thing, is are we agreeing that we think, whether it's for money-saving purposes or for geopolitical purposes or for just sheer effectiveness purposes, that we think open round's a bit over, overhyped? At the it's massively overhyped. Now, I, I think it will grow a lot. I agree with the forecast. I think 10% in the market by 2024, 2025 is... You know, if I, if I was an analyst and I had to put numbers out, then I'd... You know, I, I I think those are, I think that's quite realistic, and that's massive growth to go from mm. two hundred million today. But to, driven to in part by two. political considerations. But it, I think it's driven by political considerations, and the service providers have just sort of latched onto this as a as a thing that they think will. Now, may, maybe there are concerns the service providers. I mean, Gabriel Brown talks about it in a slightly different way. He thinks that. Um, people might want, you know, operators might want to use it to address certain use cases they can't at the moment. You know, Orange has talked about using it in indoor settings, for instance, or you might have rural communities where you feel the big kit vendors aren't really prioritising your needs. And if you can bring, you know, new competition in and they address specific requirements that you have, then that's a really good thing. But I think to have it as a, you know, as a as an option to, you know, an, an alternative to Huawei. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous, quite frankly. It's, even it's even by twenty twenty four, it's it's just you know the only thing down. that's going to happen by twenty twenty four is that a lot more work's going to go the way of Ericsson and Nokia. Yeah, which is fine. They're nice. We like them. Anyway, okay. Well, let's leave it at that. Uh, one thing before I wrap it up, um, there's been no bribe of the week this week. This is something I want to actually set up as a regular segment because I'm I'm just into being bribed basically. Um, there's no, but I think next week is going to be quite strong because I've had a few bribe yeah, offers yeah. coming in. I mean, it's because it's Christmas, to be fair. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, so people asking for your address so they exactly. can send stuff through. Mm. Yeah, that's how it's working now. So that's good because I, I don't know me. I've I felt the bribes of. Are we bribe. putting a plea out for bribes then? No, because that, that's the sort of thing that would, <laughs> you know, with the informer sort of uh, corruption training, that's the sort of thing that that would get me in trouble. So don't all bribe I'm, us. All I'm saying is that if you do send us a bribe, we might mention you. But I'm not soliciting a bribe. I want to stress that. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> no, seriously, this is just lighthearted, and they're not bribes. They're just silly little box of chocolate. They're, they're of kind of Christmas presents. Um, but I think next week there'll be there'll be a couple. So that's that. Okay, better wrap it up. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, and make sure you join us for the last one of the year next week. <laughs> <laughs>